Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod. This is episode 199. It's November 20th, 2015. It's getting late this Friday night. Man, <laughs> it's been a, well, it, uh, I don't even know what to say. I have a lot happening and a lot. it's all self-motivated. And every now and then I'm like, ah, I can't. <laughs> so then I don't. Can't is uh, not necessarily the exact word, but don't wanna. So this podcast is a little late, but I'm glad I'm getting out this week anyway. Uh, my guest today is Noah Hoffeld. He's a, a cellist, a songwriter. He's got a great album called Play Human. We're gonna hear some music from that today. Um, I should do my typical check-ins. This is Mikey Pod. I mentioned that before. My name is Michael Heron. If you'd like to know more about me, I'm a uh, musician, a performance artist, and electronic musician, sound designer, or whatnot. MichaelHeron.com. I have a uh, drip page, drip.com slash Michael Heron, which uh, I have a lot going on and I don't want to get into all of it. You know what? That's going to be my episode 200. That's going to be all about me. Done. So stay tuned for that. Let's go ahead and hop on over to uh, a track from Noah. Let's do the track Roll of Rock from his album Play Human. And after that, we'll just hear from the interview.
That was Roll of Rock from the album Play Human by Noah Hoffeld, and he is joining me right now. Uh, Noah is a cello rocker who's performed with the likes of Renee Fleming, Philip Glass, and recorded solo cello for films, including A Walk in the Wood and The Skeleton Twins. His debut solo album, Play Human, which we just heard a track from, has been heralded by Babel Music as, oh, I did it wrong, Babel Music as cello rock you never knew you needed. Welcome to the show, Noah. Thanks, Michael. It's awesome to be with you. Oh, I'm super happy to talk to you. I've, it's, you're one of those people that I've known. I guess we haven't known each other on Twitter for that long, but like, it's been a really nice instant connection, so I'm glad to have you on the show. Totally. Uh, so let's talk about Roll of Rock before we get too far into anything else. It's from your debut album. Is there anything you want to throw out about uh, what that song is about or, or what it means to you? Sure. Uh, Roll of Rock is sort of it's about the idea that rock was born to save the world, uh, which is, you know, half tongue in cheek, but sort of a belief of mine, too. Yeah, that uh, we're all here to have like a really positive impact on the planet, especially at this time. And, uh, you know, over the decades, so many rockers and songwriters have had really important messages to convey and they they get through to a lot of people uh via pop music and rock music and that's that's a magical uh quality that yeah. rock has yeah it's a it's it's it makes a message more accessible i think definitely yeah so you were a classically trained cellist uh you went to juilliard right yeah that's right and um and and you've made the switch not the sweat. Was it a switch or an evolution to to being more of a rocker? Um, I think it's more of an evolution. I've still got my feet a bit uh, on both sides, and um, you know, I still play a lot of cello in all sorts of contexts. So, um, rock is something that has entered my life and and really, you know, become a huge passion of mine. Yeah. Has, have you always been a fan of rock music or was that like a later development too? Um, actually, I, I grew up listening to all kinds of music at home. My, my parents were really passionate about classical music, but also about rock, pop, soul, R&B, uh, medieval music, you name it. <laughs> um, so I, I listened to all sorts of stuff. And when I was a kid, I had like, when I first got my own room I plastered it with like clippings from circus magazine 
which uh-huh. was all, all uh, you know, like hard rock stuff. And actually, I didn't know most of the artists. I just liked the vibe of having a room covered with, with those <laughs> images. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. I w- I had Muppet posters <laughs> when I was in high school. Well, yeah, That's I guess pretty I rocking feel- too. Yeah, at the time it wasn't. It was not really a. I mean, no one was like offended, of course, by, but it, it was not the coolest thing to be like sporting a, I, I carried my Muppet lunchbox through like middle school, which was really pushing the boundaries a little bit with like being too old for that. I think it really depends on which Muppet you're really coming out for. <laughs> oh man, that's actually a good point. Uh, I had, yeah. I was always um, very defensive of the Muppets uh, because we like, I was in, uh, middle school so we were all you know at that age of adolescence where we're trying to state our adulthood but mm-hmm. i but so everyone thought i was a baby for liking the muppets and i was always like it's Aww. not just for kids it's an adult show <laughs> and yes. now ever like obviously it was i was just that much more grown up than everyone else uh who, that's right who, and now they all know it yeah now but it's too late now that's they've already got like they've already been tainted in my memory <laughs> Man, this is getting dark. Who is your favorite Muppet, or do you have one? Fozzie. Oh, nice. And you came out with that really quick. Like, Yeah, you, no you, doubt. Uh, what do you like about him? I just like him. I, I can't say what it is. You know, it's his whole personality and his brown furriness. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love the questions that come up that I had no intention of asking. You didn't script that? No, I didn't. What I'd like the Muppet thing just came up. It's like a universal <laughs> thing. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be awesome though, too. Like maybe I should start asking people that. Who's your favorite yeah, I Muppet? I think that should be in the twenty questions portion of your show. <laughs> and then if they don't have a favorite, interview is over. We're done. Hang up. Yeah. No no goodbye, no nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So um, you talk on your um, on your about page of your website. There's some talk of uh, yoga and meditation, which is yeah. um, it's it's an uh, interest of mine and a guilt of mine because I'm not in in I, like there are so many things like uh, I listen to uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast and he's always talking about meditation and he interviews people who are like high achievers and almost every single person says they meditate every day. Uh, mm. So I'm at the feeling guilty for not meditating every day phase. Um, so I'm just curious what your, do you, do you have a meditation practice and, and especially how it applies to your creativity? Yeah, I've been meditating since the end of conservatory days and um, it's an everyday thing and um, it definitely helps me to accomplish everything that I'm setting out to do uh, creatively and otherwise. I don't, it's hard for me to say exactly how it applies to my creativity because I've been doing it for so long Mm -hmm. and I can't really remember what it was like to not do it. Um, But, you know, it's in the highly recommend Hmm. category. I, I think that life is basically a form of meditation like everything that you encounter during your day, you are perceiving it in a certain way and you are, uh, you're registering it in a certain way. You are thinking about it and processing it. And that's exactly what happens when you're on the mat 
meditating, um, only you're doing it with a certain intentionality. Um, and whatever that uh, process is that you use in your meditation, that starts to be transferred to your everyday perception uh, and processing of life events and thoughts and and everything that you experience. So um, it changes things. Huh. Yeah. That, in a very beautiful way. That is the best description of the benefits of meditation that I've ever heard. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's nice and simple, but it also, it, like, because the times that I've done meditation, I've had the little tastes of that experience, mm -hmm. uh, of uh, the extension of um, the, medita the, the, the practice of meditation expanding into my time <laughs> that I'm not meditating, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so is there a particular time of day that you meditate? I meditate in the morning. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a good way of starting the day and saying, I declare this is, this is going to set the tone for my day. You're sort of declaring that to your own consciousness and your mind and uh, befriending yourself at the beginning of the day so that as the day progresses, you are, you know, you're your own buddy, <laughs> as opposed to feeling at odds with that dude within. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I love this conversation. <laughs> That's yeah, it's, like, it's, it's good to talk about this. Yeah, stuff. well, like, uh, it addresses um, what I, I'm in the process of beginning a new pro project. And, um, mm. and Oh man, like so many of the things that you're saying that you get out of meditating are things that I desperately need right now. You know, like, cause uh, I don't know if this is your experience, uh, when you're writing or creating or, you know, any, in, in any of that space where for me, it's, uh, um, I have to either just sort of shut, shut up my sort of naysaying voices in my head or Absolutely. like sort of argue with them. <laughs> but yeah. I, I feel like I'm at odds with myself a lot during this period. You know, of like, shut up, don't listen to that, like, just work, it's going to be okay. Right. And that whole idea of starting out the day with like, okay, I'm, I'm friends with myself today, and we're going to, together, like, the, that, that voice that doesn't really have faith that I can do what I would like to set out to do today is also part of me, and I can be friends with that too. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Absolutely. Um, and it's, do you do a particular form of meditation or is it, uh, just some, yeah, I've gone through different periods and, you know, for several years at a time worked with different methods. And right now I'm just basically practicing Vipassana, okay. uh, meditation, you're following my breath and noticing how my body feels, just getting in touch with the, the most basic elements of, uh, you know, being alive. Mm. Yeah. And um, do you have a particular amount of time that you meditate each day? Generally, I meditate for like 20 minutes in the morning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then I try to experience it. You know, if I'm on the subway, I may return to my practice. Or if I start to experience any kind of thing, like what we call a negative emotion, like anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can return to watching my breath and that helps me to calm down and get centered again, you know, 
it's not a foolproof <laughs> kind of method, but it's definitely uh, there when I need it and helpful. And it's a method, you know, like, which often, um, I don't always feel like I have uh, one of my, uh, things like on the subway in particular is sort of becoming aware of people who I classify as inconsiderate or, mm-hmm. or asshole is another word I might use for them. Um, yes, that's a good one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think that that sort of, um, having a, a tool for becoming centered, you know, could be helpful in those moments. Yeah. And it's good because you can kind of create some distance between, uh, your, what you know to really be you and that judgmental guy that's still kicking around in there. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, it's a very, it's a challenging aspect of life is, you know, all those judgments and thoughts that we have about other people and uh, and we know we don't want to feel that way. Um, and meditation can help to create a little bit more distance um, within. So you can say, oh, there's that part of me again. That's that's judging. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it go away. But um, maybe you can bring a little bit more love uh, and compassion to the moment. Yeah. And and. I feel like in those moments I have a tendency to uh, to let that judgmental part of me sort of take over and rule how I am in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that idea of creating distance. I love this has turned into a, a therapy session for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, make sure just that we switch in the middle so I get some therapy from you. Too. Oh, perfect. <laughs> So yeah, I'll, now I'm like, okay, I'll figure out a way. We'll, we'll turn it back around. Have you uh, always lived in New York City? I don't remember reading that. And uh, no, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, and I'm back. Ah, okay. Yeah, but I I've lived in some other spots too. I lived in the Bay Area, and I lived in Sweden oh. for a year. Yeah. What uh, are you happy to be back in Brooklyn? Yeah, for the most part, I'm very happy here. I love my neighborhood, and it definitely beats um, living in Manhattan, which I did as well. I like to hear the little birdies in the morning and see the trees, and all of that's very good for me and for my creative life, too. You know, there's still a spark of creativity here that helps to propel my own work. Um, what neighborhood are you in, in Brooklyn? I'm in North Williamsburg. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I was just in Williamsburg last night and I went to a a book release party at, um, National Sawdust. Have you been to this place? I, you know, it's so funny. My friend was just talking to me about it yesterday. They are, they have a great PR (laughs) happening. I think it just opened and I've been hearing about it everywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz. Yeah, um, it's a really great space. It was a um, it was a talk, so I didn't hear any music performed in there, so I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really nice space, and it felt really good in there. Um, right. Yeah. Right. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, great. So, what else can we talk about? We hit the things. Some of the things I wanted to say. Oh, you're. Can we talk about what um, was making you uh, a little late to our talk, or is that something you can't? discuss yeah we we can talk about it um i got called to play with 
uh, a band tomorrow on Good Morning America. And there was just some paperwork stuff that I needed to take care of uh, to get everything solidified. And there was a due date on it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, um, so that was keeping me. Uh, who are you? Uh, who are you playing with? What's the band? Is it someone? It's a band called Great Big World. It's a very nice pop band. Um, yeah, I'm just getting to know their work. Oh, and cool. Yeah, also very positive, positive messages. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, you've gotten to play with a lot of uh, cool people. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah. Do you have a Do you have a favorite? A favorite? Um, well, Pete Seeger. Oh th- wow, that would be a cool one. Yeah, I mean, he's he was a huge inspiration for me as a songwriter. You know, just to feel that um, all the the music and songs that we make actually can create change in the world. And um, to get to be around him and experience that firsthand, um, like the very first time I played with him, excuse me, was just trio. And it was for an anti-nuclear event in Providence. And um, that was just super powerful to be making music for something I cared so much about. And... um, that that helped to set me on the path of feeling like I could write my own songs that would, you know, influence what's happening in the world or I could express what I care about that's, uh, you know, more than just I love you or why did you dump me, all those, mm-hmm. you know, perennial themes that are so good. You know, just like in Play <laughs> Human on my album, I I sing a lot about how we can treat each other um, how we can treat the planet and, you know, basically the, the imperative of getting down to doing all that stuff right away. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, yes. your, um, so this is your first album. I'm curious, um, just because I'm a person who released a first album in my forties, how old are you? I'm about to turn 44. All right. So, yeah. So I had, so I'm just curious if we have some similarities or what your experience was like, uh, getting there. Like why, why in your forties did you decide to do a debut album? Well, um, I think I'd just been putting it on the back burner for so long, you know, as a cellist, I'm always focusing on my cello playing and on my gigs and on my chops and practicing and all that stuff. And meanwhile, I've been writing and I released an EP like, you know, uh, more than 10 years ago. That was just sort of for fun. But I I had this nagging feeling all along that I had something that was, you know, that was kind of something I needed to say and which was worth saying. And it it just got to a certain point where I was like, okay, I'm either going to do this now or it's never going to happen Mm-hmm. And I just said, okay, fuck it. I, I have to make some changes in my life to make this possible. And uh, that's what I did. I, I started teaching a lot less and, you know, just taking certain kind of gigs that would help me to, 
settle into my own production of my own songs. And um, so it took a while to, to sort of set up my life so I could do it. Yeah. Um, what was what were some of the challenges you found? I mean, you sort of touched on some of them just by, you know, having to change your schedule around and, and start turning down different types of gigs. But yeah, was there anything that that showed up as a challenge that you didn't expect? Um. Well, I mean, one thing that is kind of on the the more obvious side of the spectrum is just the technological challenges. Um, I had to learn a lot about producing music um, and how to use the computer to do that and um, all kinds of stuff related to that. Um, and then just having faith that what I was saying was worth, you know, doing all of the work that I did to make it happen, you know, and, and keeping that flame alive, which is not an easy thing for anybody Mm -mm. to do, you know, whether you're writing a book or you're, you're making an album or, you know, you're even just writing a, a few lines of a poem. It's, it takes a certain amount of um, effort to maintain your faith in the endeavor. And it's, it's very worthwhile because it's very rewarding. But while it's happening, it's quite challenging, as anybody who's done it knows. Yeah. Yeah, it's challenging. And like, I, my, uh, m- I always call them my critics or, you know, naysaying yeah. voices. Yeah, they yeah. are brutal at times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and they like like my last project when I was first I hadn't ever done anything like that before and I, and this is kind of why I have this interest in why uh and you doing a, a big project like this in your mm-hmm. 40s. Um they would like as I was getting better at like quieting those sort of negative voices, they would mm-hmm. sort of sneak in at like moments when I wasn't expecting, like right when I wake up, they'd be like, no one wants to hear your stories. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> or right when you get in front of the audience. Oh, yeah. That's always a good one. Yeah. Or, oh, my God, they're not reacting, the audience. Right. They must hate this. Right. Um, that guy in the corner is snoring. Oh, I knew it. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> in spite of the fact that there are all the other people clearly enjoying what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, did you record your album uh, at home or? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, what software did you use? I used Logic. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I used a lot of plugins and stuff to influence all the sounds. Yep. I love it. We have a lot in common in that because I did, I did this show and then I assembled, I used Ableton Live and I used, I had a lot of different loops and things that I was using and then I assembled all of that into a... Uh, album so it was mm. a lot of like okay uh is there a youtube tutorial for this thing that i want to do right. <laughs> i learned a lot that way yeah absolutely and yeah. what you're doing live looks awesome uh it's fun and i now that i i, I was thinking about this a lot and I, now i'm starting to do a new show and and now that i know i'm making a show and I know the software a lot better. I'm really able to sort of plan ahead. And as I'm writing and assembling things, sort of put things together in a way that uh, that will be more friendly for live performance. Mm-hmm. Very good. 
It's really fun. I'm going to call you up for lessons. Uh, I would totally like, love, like I just get so geeked out on all this stuff. I love learning it so much. Um, I would be really into just to, uh, to talking and, and exchanging tips and hints and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, we should start wrapping this thing up, but I want to talk about this next song we're going to listen to before I say goodbye. Uh, the track is called Flirting with Disaster. Uh, can you throw yeah. some background on this before we give it a listen? Sure. Um, this one is about uh, sort of about depression and the depths of, of darkness that we can experience. And I just wanted to write about it and, um, and share it because I know so many people experience this stuff and it's better not to keep it all locked up like a dirty little secret mm-hmm. is it uh did you find it healing to to write about this stuff healing and difficult you know at the same time i would i felt that um when i would be working on the track that it's disturbing sort of to revisit that space uh, that the song is about and is describing. It was not a comfortable process, but I think um, getting it out there is sort of an exorcism of sorts. Yeah. Uh, yay art. <laughs> it's, such yay. A, it's such a corny way to say it, but uh, like going through this process and something, I think my, uh, my, uh, desire to start creating more in my 40s and I'm a pianist so I came I had sort of a similar um, need to pull away from playing the piano for other people and spending my Mm. time and creative energy on that Um, and I I think something something happened to me when I turned 40 I really went to this sort of dark place of like all right so all those dreams you had time to let them go because you're old now and uh, I went right. through like a year or two of that before I was finally like, uh, okay, it looks like I'm not going to be dead anytime soon. So right. what's going to happen next? And it really and gave me some momentum. Yeah. And there's still plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> so yay. So cool. Uh, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that I got to talk to you today. Um, I got a lot too. out of this conversation. Me too. Um, Thank you so much. Sure. And we can find you at noahhoffeld.com. Uh, am I saying your name right still? Perfect. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, and um, you are on Twitter, also at Noah Hoffeld. I'll put links at MikeyPod.com so you people who are listening, um, you can come to the website and look for uh, the links and just click there if you can't remember. Um, any any other specific web spaces we should... Oh, where should people buy your album? Uh, people can buy it on iTunes. Play Human is the name of the record. Or they can buy it on my website. Awesome. Yeah. And Facebook is another good place to find me. Facebook.com slash Noah Hoffeld. Excellent. All right. Great. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Michael.
shit From the album Play Human, that was Noah Hoffeld with 
flirting with disaster. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, thank you, my guest, of course, Noah Hoffeld, and those of you who are listening. Uh, yeah, not a lot of updates to do. I kind of just want to get this thing posted. Uh, check in on me at michaelherron.com and uh, drip.com slash michaelherron if you'd like to uh, support my work. Five bucks a month gets you, oh, stuff. Updates about my uh, residency at the farm. Uh, some cool stuff is happening with the writing, and I'm sharing all that sort of in-depth uh, creativity and uh, process there. And it's become a really interesting part of my own process. It's kind of cool to have a weekly check-in just about what's happening. It keeps me um, moving. And the $5 a month from people who are a part of that help me do my work and uh, get out to the farm to volunteer with animals who are rescued. I'm looking forward to being out there this Thanksgiving. It will be nice to be with living turkeys and not sitting around a table with a dead one. <laughs> that sounds dark. And it is. 45 million turkeys are killed for Thanksgiving. Hmm. That's, that sucks. I mean, that, that's an understatement. But anyway, choose vegan this Thanksgiving. I'd love it if you did. And I think that's it. Thanks for listening.